We are here with Richard Horvitz. What's it like being a voice actor here at Rock and Shop? Talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. E, eh, eh, e, eh, e. Yes. E. Hello. Hi. I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular beaver, whoosh. Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor here at Rock and Shock for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Could we have a better intro than that? Yes, you could not. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another new podcast. Okay, we'd be stupid if it was an old podcast. And how would I know it? How would I announce that it's an old podcast? Anyway, welcome to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutral through the year 2025. Uh, We're doing it through volume. I'm not sure how that works. Uh, But I have a a thing here that says that's how we're doing it. I'm your vaccinated host, The Dome. This is episode number 512. That's right. We're still counting. I'm not sure how that happens. Tonight is another mask mandated quarantine evening here in Area 51. And in this episode, we're going to try and answer the question, when you're hexing, is it really ever over? Tonight, answering that question with me, in the Area 51 broadcast facility tonight at the clickbait fact-checking wheel of fish and pizzarama help desk, it's Captain Cam here promoting his new cookbook. It's pink, stretchy, fun, and comes in an egg. Who cares what it tastes like? Silly putty, the new tofu. Captain Cam, good to see you again. It's good to hear you too, Dom. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about your new cookbook, Silly Putty, the new tofu. Well, I thought we. Oh, well, okay. You know, it, uh, I will get the plug in here. You know, I, I felt a little, you know, self-conscious. You know, plugging my. No, own no, 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 no. Plug away, my friend. Plug away. So, let me just tell you. Just, I, I think the best way I can sell this book to everyone out there is by giving you one of my best recipes in there. I cannot wait. All right. A silly putty. Frittata. Unbelievable. Yes. So what you need is five eggs of a silly putty. Uh-huh. Garlic. Asparagus. Let's see. What was it? The second? Ah. Some uh, gummy worms. This sounds delicious. You know, I was going to ask if if you were going to put avocados in it, but there's evidently an avocado uh, uh, embargo now with Mexico. Yeah, well, you know, but I mean, I'm writing this book for the future when there won't be an avocado embargo. And speaking of which, 
I do have an avocado recipe. Avocado, sorry. Silly putty stuffed avocado. A la Cameron. <laughs> okay. As disgusting as this sounds, I think um I think I'm losing my lunch. But that's a whole different story. Um we will we well, will be selling because, We will be selling you know, copies of Silly Putty. What I made for you, so. I know. I've been smelling it all afternoon while you've been cooking the Silly Putty. It's disgusting. But we'll be selling copies of Silly Putty, the new tofu, on our website, sci-fi-saturday-night.com. Just send us whatever money you want to send us, and we'll sell you absolutely nothing. That's not the point. The point that we're making here tonight is uh, in in our email this week, I got a really small book. At least I thought it was a really small book. And then, like, seconds later, I got another really small book. And I thought it was the same book being sent over and over again, but it wasn't. It was two novellas, and they were sent by uh, our, our guest, Mandy Eve Barnett. Mandy, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Thank you for having me. Can I interest you in a book about Silly Putty, the new tofu? No, probably not. Probably okay. not. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's probably best for both of us. Uh, Man Mandy sent us a couple of books, novellas, uh, which were really different and really interesting. Uh, the Raython Kingdom and the Raython Legacy. Am I, am I like even pronouncing them correctly? Yeah, so it's the Rython Kingdom and the Rython Legacy. So, no, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was very nice of you, though, Mandy. We appreciate it. <laughs> oh, well. It's you let fine. it down easy. I, I tried. I tried. That's um, fine. And these, these two novellas mm. are, are fantasy novellas um, set in kind of and it's it's hard to describe the setting. Uh, it's medieval but, England. Okay, well, okay, it's not that hard then. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I course, was going because for, I, had I am from yeah I am from England and you know write what you know some of the time. It, it had for me a very Arthurian legend type feel to it, and as I was reading it, especially the first book where there was this whole, uh, and, and Cam and I were talking about this uh, before we, we brought you into the show tonight. Mm -hmm. It had a very kind of Knights of the Round Table recitation feel to it uh, that we both really liked a lot. So where where did this come from for you? This whole right where you, what you know come from? Well, I, <clears throat> obviously when I was, still living in England, I used to do an awful lot of visits to ancient sites, castles, historic houses. Um, so I, I had a feel for all of those settings. Um, and the, the Rypen Kingdom actually came about from some picture prompts. There were three of them, subsequent Saturdays. And for whatever reason, they just became this idea for a story just the three prompts and I wanted to make sure that they were somewhere that would be as you say sort of 
medieval Knights of the Round Table sort of feeling to it. Um, so I I wanted to make it also sort of a mystery and magical. Um, and because a lot of the um, historical legends um, around the knights and round table, etc., I thought it would be pretty cool to sort of get that sort of feeling to my story. And I could base it on places that I've been and I'll just merge them all together. So the story itself came from settings that you had kind of walked through and had pictures of and yeah. kind of gave you that that mm-hmm. feeling in your bones. So Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, old castles and, and old buildings as a rule can do that to you very easily. <laughs> um so where did the characters come from? Most of my characters pop into my head. Um, I I knew that I wanted uh, a mysterious woman, but I definitely knew I needed a storyteller. Because in The Writhen Kingdom, the first book, you will see that there's literally two stories running right. parallel. So... You've got a, a gentleman that's a storyteller. He's traveling through um, the countryside and you know, people will pay him to entertain them with stories. And most of it is about him as a knight and he the battles that he fought and all that sort of thing. And <clears throat> he becomes quite famous. And the king sends a message to say they're having a huge banquet and they want him to relay, you know, a story. Um, and he obviously thinks, well, this is going to be a really good payday, so off he goes. Um, and obviously, as I'm a storyteller, it was fun doing that because I had him not only traveling and experiencing something um, himself, but also relaying and exciting the people in the court and the king and queen with this incredible story that he thinks just came of a dream but it didn't actually come from a dream at all <laughs> i don't want well, to spoil it <laughs> right well the story the storyteller in the first book gives us gives us not only his story but also gives mm. us the exposition of 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 the the time the place and mm-hmm. everything else so you know it's it's, it's a great character first of all and Thank it's you. a fun character um and it's <laughs> in in like a detective novel he'd be the stooge because yep. <laughs> he doesn't realize that he's being what's going on around him as he's mm-hmm. being as all this is going on and it, it's a wonderfully wonderfully uh put together character and through that character you get to see the countryside you get to see the castle you get to see all the other characters through his eyes as well mm-hmm. i i would clarify something don't but he is a good he's a definitely a mystery character but he's the character that is responsible if this were a mystery for the mur- he's he's 
the one that did the, the, the patsy that they're trying to push the murder off on but he's also the one that that's got the eyes open that all of a sudden realizes oh shoot they're trying to blame this murder on me right and i think i know who did it so he, <laughs> he he's he is being played but he also has the the ability to see that he, he realized something's not right here and mm-hmm. he starts investigating himself which is Again, not going into too deep here into the story, but he starts investigating it this himself. Yeah. And there was something else, uh, uh, Mandy, that I really liked about this is, like Dom alluded to, there is Mm -hmm. a story within a story here. There is. and, and, And that other story definitely feels very Arthurian. I mean, it feels like like if you could have taken that story he was telling and and said that this was a adventure of one of king arthur's knights and i could have believed it it's that kind of you know arthurian legend like story that's just so Mm -hmm. fantastic and but it's without giving too much away and i'm going to i'm going to (laughs) skirt the edge of of spoilers here which i do so Uh well (laughs) oh no i really do i have never failed on this one even if i have to uh, pull away uh, quickly but but as he tells this story Mm. The story influences, without getting into any more details, influences the story you're telling. Exactly. And it, there is there is almost this feeling of the story, that stories themselves have power over reality. And I just, I'm curious, was that your intention? Or, you know, because that was what I took away from it as I'm reading this is going, wait a minute, he's, the story he's telling in more ways than one, personally, and again, this is where I have to really pull away from that edge of spoilerdom, is it's influencing reality in more ways than one. And it I just, is. I love the way that, that that story does that. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted the the story he's telling to actually um, collide with reality. And the more he re, you know, he relays the story, the more you're thinking, hang on a minute, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's happening there, and that's happening there, and wouldn't that happen if, you know? So it, I, I like to make it that the mystery make the reader, you know, not not only enjoy the writing and the characters, but also think, hang on a minute, what's happening here, and what's going to happen next. And that, that's the basis of good storytelling. You, you want to intrigue your, your reader. You want them to, to think, okay, well, I'll, I'll just read another few pages and then you know, I've got to read another few pages. Yeah. And that's exactly what you did with this story. I mean, I was literally <laughs> reading and keep reading because every time it would work back on each other where mm-hmm. you, know, you would tell one part of the story and you would the troubadour would stop the story naturally at the end of one night keep you gotta keep the audience guessing but in doing so you would stop the main story mm-hmm. to go back to the troubadour story which kept your audience guessing so you, you there's almost a similarity between <laughs> you and our troubadour who i shall name now uh just as soon as i grab his name out of my list uh and please please forget forgive me if good i get luck the name trying wrong. To, good luck trying to pronounce that one <laughs> It's Gilliam Ruit. Yes, Gilliam Ruit. Oh sure, yes. go ahead. 
Wow, smart assery just abounds, doesn't it, Cam? <laughs> yes, it does. I am the master. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but yeah, the, the main that main character, Gillum, he he does this amazing. You know, it's it, it, it you and him kind of almost switch places throughout this story as you're mm -hmm. as I'm reading this. You become him, he becomes you, because each one of you, you know, turns to the other and goes, and now it's your turn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was fun to write. I enjoyed, you know, thinking, okay, what what is he going to relay? What what story is going to captivate the king's court? And is good enough to do that. And you know, what am I going to do with Gillen when he gets to the castle and finds things aren't as they initially seemed? What what really made me interested was getting to the end of this book, which I can't talk about because that's a spoiler. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sorry. Then then opening up the second book and going, well, where the hell do we go from here? <laughs> yeah. Because um, because you I tied up all the. You, you you really spent a lot of time at the end of the first novella tying up the loose ends quite nicely. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the problem with that was that when I wrote it, I didn't plan to do a second book. Uh -huh. I, had, I had no plans <laughs> whatsoever. I thought, no, that's a standalone. I enjoyed it. Everything's wonderful. And then about... Oh, I would say four or five months later, I started getting messages from readers saying, well, where's the next one? What do you mean, where's the next one? Well, where's the next book? Went, well, there can't um, be a next book well, because blah, 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 blah. Well, Didn't you read the ending? Yeah, I hadn't planned to do that. So then, I mean, it's a nice problem to have if you know, you've got readers that are saying <laughs> Why, when are you doing the next one i'm thinking oh, well i suppose if if they want the next one i'm gonna have to write the next one <laughs> so that's what i did and i, I, I one of the characters is a sorceress and the second book is about her granddaughter and that's how i i sort of carry the story through it's not the same story and how things happen, but it's, it's a continuation because of she's passed down um, all her powers and to her granddaughter, and then she has to use them to help in a different situation. Might I say mm. that it was a very wily plot device that you used? <laughs> you <know? laughs> In order to continue the mm. story. Um, and I sat there as I'm reading it and I'm going, hmm, okay, <laughs> fine. We'll go with this. I can see how you made this one work. And how you skipped a generation in order to make it work. Yada, 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 yada. Okay, fine. But it led me to an interesting question. Mm. And the the question, without trying to spoil anything. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it 
it's even difficult to ask the question. Mm. Let me let me scroll down to the question. Uh, okay. I'm waiting in bated breath now. Does evil really ever die? Or no. is Elden Ma as immortal mm. through generation as evil is? Well, I mean, evil does does continue regardless of what happens because if, if you you can't have good without evil right that, that is you have to have the polar opposites you have to um and that's not just in stories that's in everything um so that there will always be someone to fight the good fight that's why the the sorceress well when she's older will you know carry forward um to the you know her genetically yeah yeah so it will it will continue in, in perpetuity um and yes it, it may not be the same evil that they're fighting but there'll probably be something else that that needs to be vanquished along and the way and if that's the case mm. where's book three stop it <laughs> <laughs> Because you know that's the next question. <laughs> you you yeah. you tied up book well book one mm. so well, and you left book two so wide open. You think so? I absolutely do. Oh, okay. And you don't? Well, you could read it. That it's open, but. <laughs> if i start getting lots and lots of queries about where's the next one i'll have to think about the next one i cannot believe i'm the first person who's asked that question. <laughs> uh, no i haven't yet so I'll, all i'm but, saying is i cannot believe i'm the first person who's asked that question that's all i'm saying thank that's you it. we're starting a facebook book group just <laughs> Get her to write another another uh, book. Yeah, so everybody, oh, get on her Facebook. <laughs> get on her Facebook page, and ask the question: If Elden Ma lasts forever, where's mm -hmm. book three? That's all. That's all we're asking. Even even uh, if it's a, it's another few generations ahead. Just like this one, skip two generations. Why not? Well, that's true. Because if the kingdom lasts forever, the story goes on. Yeah, what? but that, the medieval kingdoms didn't last forever. Well, I don't know that. Well, I do. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was lots of like little lords and kings, and, and then they got vanquished, and then England got invaded by lots of other people, and yeah, it became really difficult, but. I mean, yes, I could, in theory, <clears throat> um, <laughs> I could write about Elrara being, you know, carrying on through to modern day. I mean, I could pick periods through history and carry her on, but 
I think people might get bored of it by that by that time. Do you really? Why mm. do you think that? Well, because you, you, I mean, I, I don't want to write books just because. I would rather write a book because someone enjoys it, and that you know they just message me and say I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, and what else have you written? Well. <laughs> There's that point, too, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you one of those generic questions that everybody asks you. Okay. And see if I'm going to get a generic answer, because I don't think I am. When did you after know? He's the... What? Go ahead, Ken. And then it said that, and then after you're done, I will definitely ask a not-so-generic question. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Go what for it, was it that, that made you know that you wanted to be a writer? When did that happen? Um, let's just say it was later in life. Um, okay. I I didn't start writing until I came to Canada. So, nice. Uh, uh, 2009, I started writing. Um, before that, most of my, you know, young years before I had children, uh, I was very creative in lots of different directions. So when they were a bit older and we were in Canada, I wanted another creative outlet. And I just happened about, I don't know, when we were doing our usual library Saturday morning, I just happened to see a writer's group uh, promoting their Tuesday evening meeting. And I thought, well, I'll try that first. And I went and I enjoyed the stories and they were very welcoming. And I went back a couple of times. And, and then I'm thinking... If you're in a writing group, you should actually write something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, really? Yeah. So, so what I a great something. idea. Yeah. So I wrote this very short piece. And, um, Do you remember it. the first thing you ever wrote? Yeah, it's very, very short, like seriously short. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, so I, I read it and the room went quiet. I'm thinking, okay, I will not be coming back. <laughs> and, and then they were all like, they were in shock, but I didn't realise that. And then they all went, oh my god! And then the, the whole room like erupted with questions and and explanations, and that hooked me. That was like, yes, okay, now now I know this is something I want to do. This is, yeah, definitely. <laughs> going to be one of my things um and i from then on it was you know it snowballed i, I just became completely obsessed with you know creating characters and making you know locations and just my imagination went full blast really it was it was just so much fun and i still find it fun so when you write now, mm. um, does it just like, do you set aside the time? Does it happen when it happens? You know, a lot writers, different writers do it different ways. Mm. Uh, I, I have a writer friend who gets up at six o'clock, makes a pot of coffee, brings the pot of coffee up to his room, sits mm -hmm. in front of the same desk every day, looks out of the same window, 
drinks a pot of coffee out of the same cup every day. And then, and then writes. And he writes until 1030. And then he stops. If I had the time, <laughs> which I don't. <laughs> no, I, um, I work full time, so I have to engineer my writing time between, you know, full time work, family commitments, all that sort of stuff. So um, I have to sort of weave it wherever I can. But I'm very lucky because uh, my good friend, she she and I go on regular um writing retreats so we sort of have a road trip find somewhere to stay and that's sort of writing and reading time and then a bit of exploring and then come back um and we do we try and do that as much of the year as possible (laughs) (laughs) because winters in canada can leave you with um lots of snow and not being able to get past yeah through roads sometimes so yeah but i mean it's it it, not only is it inspiring to be in a a totally different place because you can see the landscapes and you 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 find you know we always use back roads we never use highways because they're boring um you just find all these hidden little hamlets and ghost towns and and i mean that that's you know i can incorporate so many things into my writing and as I said before, I, mean, I used to do lots of trips when I was living in England to all these sort of ancient places. And so all of it is is sort of collected, you know, and to be used later in something, some story. And so. it doesn't necessarily have to be where you're at right then, because I'm guessing when you were in in uh, England, walking through through castles and and hamlets and stuff like that you weren't writing then no i wasn't so it's it's kind of like reflective memory going back to that in your mind and then kind of reliving those those feelings and thoughts and and places oh absolutely um i mean it you know if you think that i you know i could go into um a church you know and it was like a a 12th century church and you think how much history is in that just that one building and how many people have been in that building in all those centuries you know so it's there's all there's always something that, that will spark an idea or i'm just thinking i'm writing something oh i could use that that'd be pretty cool you know so there's always something to inspire there's always new things there's old things there's memories there's dreams everything we can use as a writer one of the things that i found really interesting about you as a writer Mm. um is that a lot of writers find a genre and that's what they hold in that that's their stock and trade that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not you. Definitely not. <laughs> um, you, you, I, you tend to find something, then you do that, then you find mm-hmm. something else, then you do that. Um, mm-hmm. How did that happen? I write the story. I don't write the genre. Does that make sense? No. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if if you're writing a genre, there's yeah. a format to it. Right. This has to happen, that has to happen, you have to have this, this and this character. Um I I will get an idea. I will get a character or a location or even like a a tiny scene and I just follow it. I I just let my imagination go with that idea. So I will I will write it, I will get absorbed in it. Um, so I will write the story and once it's written, then I think, okay, which age group and which genre okay. will that appeal to? So I do it the opposite way probably of lots of people who think, well, this is my genre and this is how I'm going to write. I do it the other way around, which is when you read my books, you'll figure out that I do that a lot in my stories as well. So <laughs> I always like to sort of flip things on their head. I don't want to be, you know, obvious in what's going to happen. So you'll be reading something and think, hang on a minute. When did that happen? Why did that happen? And why did that not happen? You know, so I enjoy that with my stories. I don't want the reader to be complacent. I want them to be engaged and keep thinking, hang on a minute. Because that's the fun of storytelling. For me, anyway. Well, that's not a bad thing, I, I, and I'm not saying it is a bad thing. I'm just, uh, I guess, from my perspective, as as one of the guys who talks to a lot of authors over the years, mm. it's fairly rare, um, and okay. not not so much. <laughs> Not I so like to be unique and rare. Thank you. You you are very unique, Mandy, and I, and I will, and, and that in a very good way. And, oh, good. and here's here's what I mean by that. Um, I have some very good friends who are authors. Uh, very good friends. Mm-hmm. And they are genre authors, and it's not because they picked a genre; it's because the genre pick them now sometimes they slide out of their genre mm-hmm. for whatever reason because they have a story that works for them outside of what they normally do whatever mm-hmm. but for the most part they sit right there and and they're comfortable in what they do that's how they write that's what they write in um and there's but, nothing wrong with that i mean if it if that is your forte then stick to it don't try and force yourself into something right, that right, right. you don't enjoy don't do that i mean if, if you enjoy that then do it because you know being a creative in any sort of medium you should do what you enjoy doing what you find fascinating surprising but what i see but what i see in what you're doing mm. is what you find fascinating is screw it i'm telling a story <laughs> exactly <laughs> And I don't really care whether it appeals to 10-year-olds or adults, whether it appeals to a child or it appeals to a teenager or it appeals to an octogenarian. That's not the point. I've got a story inside me. The story is coming out. And when Mm -hmm. it's done, it's going to paper. And then let's see what happens. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, obviously the publisher says, right, you know, we need to 
you know, define it because obviously you can't just say it's a story. You have to say, you know, well, no, you can, but it just doesn't do much. It doesn't do much. No. So, I mean, you, you, you know, there are certain things that you, you have to, you know, you have to sort of put it in a genre at some stage, but I, I don't, I don't write to a genre. I just write to my story. It's um, as I was reading these books, mm. I sat there and I said, "You wrote two different books mm-hmm. about a shared reality that yep. really isn't a shared reality <laughs> about okay. a story that should have ended but didn't." Yeah. About characters that shouldn't have continued but did. (laughs) And in some ways, made perfect sense. Well, hopefully they do. No, 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 there's no hopeful there. Okay. It it made perfect sense. Oh, good. And and for that, you are to be absolutely commended. And these 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 books are very, from an intellectual and and from an emotional standpoint of the reader, very accessible, mm-hmm. very readable, and a hell of a lot of fun, which is why I think you know people wanted a second book, people yeah. enjoyed the first book and the second book, and <laughs> you're going to start getting a lot of people <laughs> sitting on your Facebook page going. Where the hell's the yeah, third, third book? Third Thank you for that. <laughs> and that then, and and I think that's where we need to leave it tonight. Uh, where the hell's the third book? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest no, tonight. Dom, you, 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 you forgot. I had a question here. You did. Oh, have you're a question, right. You did. Yes, because yes, I had the because you had the generic everyday question. I had the one that nobody's going to expect. Okay. Why the color cyan? The the color cyan Um, appears quite a bit through the books. Yeah, because one of the picture prompts that the first book originated with were, um, it was a bracelet of beads, which appears in the first book. And they were actually like this beautiful cyan color. And I, I, for whatever reason, I, I just wanted to use that color um, because it, it's not a usual color. It's not something that's typical, um, which is normally my thing. I don't want to be typical. Um, and I, I thought this will be something that people will remember. Um, so because it's cool, it's 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 unusual, and that that's why I picked it. And I would say you certainly hit the mark with it because seriously, that was the question I had for you because <laughs> I am very seldom when I've read a lot of fantasy, and I have never heard of anybody using the color cyan uh-huh. in the way you did. So yes, yes, I think you did something that's very unique right there. I'm glad about that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because we had that discussion a couple of times over the day today. 
Yes. What the, what what why is that there? What is yeah. the issue with that? <laughs> because it's memorable. Well, it certainly was. That was mm -hmm. kind of the point. Yeah. It was absolutely memorable. Huh. It's uh and that and that I think is the one way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, I, I I want my I want readers to to have something from the each of my books. It's like that you know something gets triggered or something you think oh I remember that from that book you know that I mean we we all read books and then something stays with us from that story. I mean it could be a location, it could be a character, it could be a scene. It could be a really good sentence, whatever it happens to be. Um, but as a, as, a, as a writer, you want to make sure that there is something there in each story that, you know, stays with your reader. That's well, why we I, I, I think you've done that. <laughs> Thank you. I honestly do. Um, if you haven't read the series, read the first two books. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying the first two mm. books. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's going to be a third. Who knows? Who knows indeed? Who knows? Who knows I'm in the, I'm I'll, in the I'll, midst of a, of a trilogy at the moment, so I, I, it would have to be a while before I get around to it. I'll tell you who knows. Mm. Maybe even <laughs> Barnett knows. That's who knows. Yeah. And she's been our guest here tonight. And it's been an absolute barrel of monkeys having you on. <laughs> Thank you very much. I no, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And uh, check out the books, The Rythen Kingdom and The Rythen Legacy. Mm -hmm. Check out her other books. Enjoy it. And, and uh, hey, thanks a lot. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, the Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine, and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, may we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night, everybody. Hey.